And we're, we're taking a turn in Joshua. We're right in the middle part. Oh, uh, if you also, a couple things. The first is the passage that I'm looking at is very, very long. And so I was only able to put a little bit of it in here. Uh, so we're going to be looking from the scriptures too. If you do want a Bible and you didn't bring one, Alex is going to be walking around. So just raise your hand and uh, he can grab you a Bible in case you're but I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture that can be found on the inside of your bulletin. And then we will get started. Joshua 14, 1 through 5, the sermon text that can be found on the inside of your bulletin. These are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel gave them to inherit. Their inheritance was by lot, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and one-half tribes. For Moses had given an inheritance to the two and one-half tribes beyond the Jordan, to the east of the Jordan. But to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in, with their pasture land for their livestock and their substance. The people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. They allotted the land. The word of the Lord. Well, this is a special time for me because I want to invite you into a special document in my life, the last will and testament of Carlos Rodriguez, available right here or on Amazon Prime for uh, $29.99. This is... Uh, a sum of how my possessions will be dispersed upon my untimely demisal. Let us hope it will be very timely, actually. Uh, but, you know, I've got to know some of you people, and you've become near and dear to my hearts. So in addition to the vast expanses of wealth that I will be giving to my family, I have decided to include some of you in my last will and testament. So I'm going to literally, I have uh, Ken Dodal who's here to help sign this as Esquire, as I bequeath these particular things to you. Uh, to uh, my corporate skybox for the Redskins, I've decided to give to George and Debbie Boomer, just because they love the skins, so they get the corporate skybox. All right. Uh, my, my condo in the Caymans, I've decided to give to the Pences, just because I really like them. So, condo in the Caymans goes to the Pences, to the Mannings, my villa in Tuscany. There's no more room in Tuscany, but you can have my villa. To uh, Barry Durham, my Frank Lloyd Wright house in the Hamptons. I know how you love architecture. Uh, to George Dow, my two cats, as well as my dog and any other animal organisms, because I know you will take them in. Uh, my Learjet to Bob Knuth. Uh, to uh, my Kurt Cobain t-shirt collection, to my son, Mark Rodriguez, and my complete collection of Johnny Cash I give to Evo Sinnerding just because he loves the man in black. There you go, and I firmly affix my name to these things. They belong to you, or will belong to you, upon my untimely demise. The last will and testament. Please don't die anytime soon. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You want the house, let's be honest. You know, inheritance is a funny thing, isn't it? You know, maybe you have the experience, you're growing older, you think about issues like this about inheritance. Maybe you have 
parents that are growing older, maybe you've experienced receiving inheritance. It's a strange concept, isn't it? Something that someone has worked for that is to become yours, but under such a sort of sad and morose circumstance, there's joy in it, yet at the same time there's sadness. It's an interesting documentary put out, it was called Born Rich, and it was put out by Jamie Johnson, who was one of the heirs to the Johnson & Johnson fortune. And she basically interviewed her friends, who are all insanely wealthy uh, heirs and heiresses of these uh, you know, vast holdings. There was Ivanka Trump, uh, Donald Trump's daughter, and there was uh, some other folks, Georgiana Bloomberg, who was born to New York Mayor and media mogul Michael Bloomberg. And there was uh, Josiah Hornblower, born into the Whitney uh, Vanderbilt lineage. And uh, S.I. Newhouse, born to the Condé Nast Publications heir. These were all people who were to receive massive amounts of money upon uh, you know, a certain period of time, whether reaching a certain period of age as a trust or as an inheritance. And it was interesting hearing them describe, for some of them, their parents wielded this inheritance as a weapon. Something that they would sort of put out there and bring back depending on their behavior. For some of them, it was a crippling function. You know, it was this vast amount of money they were supposed to receive and they found themselves already having an allowance and wondering what they were supposed to do with their lives. Almost feeling bad that they had, some of them even called this inheritance a curse. But others found it to be a blessing. Gave them the freedom to go and do what it was that they wanted to do, even to bestow blessings that weren't theirs. And many of them went into actually uh, uh, profitable nonprofits and giving away the fortunes uh, that their parents had amassed. This concept of inheritance is integral to the idea of Christianity. As we see here in the Old Testament, and prefigured in the Old Testament, shown in its fullness in the New Testament, is this concept of inheritance. That God has brought to himself strangers, aliens, even enemies, and he's called them sons and daughters. And he said that I'm going to bestow on you an inheritance. And in this picture of Israel, we see the inheritance, this land flowing with milk and honey. And the people, the Israelites, have, have fought and they've struggled and the land is there and now they're supposed to take possession of it. But how are they to live in this already and not yet? Indeed, they're supposed to take possession of the inheritance, and yet all of the people that are to be driven out have not yet even been driven out. How are we to live with this great inheritance, being called children of the living God? It's almost too uh, massive, too difficult to understand. We learned some lessons on how to deal with inheritance through looking at three different parties in this process. Number one, we're going to look at Joshua. Joshua has an inheritance. And Joshua is an example of being faithful to the inheritance that God has given us. Then we're going to look at the Israelites. The Israelites are an example of being discontented. Discontented with the inheritance that God has given them. And finally, we're going to look at the Levites. The Levites are an example of being consecrated, living in the inheritance, even as they don't have it. Here's the truth about inheritance, my friends. If you embrace 
the inheritance that God has called you to as Christians, your life becomes more and more about faithfulness and less and less about success. God has given you an inheritance, a certain inheritance, and God wants you to enjoy the foretaste of it now. But we haven't received all of it. We must live in light of eternity today. We must live as faithful people, concerned more about faithfulness to the Lord than success, more concerned about the inheritance that God is to give us than the kingdom we are to build here and now. So let's take a look at some of these concepts. Let's look at these different inheritances. First, we'll look at Joshua. Look at Joshua 13.1. Now Joseph was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains very much land to possess. By the way, Joshua 13 all the way to 14.5 is what we're going to be talking about. We just couldn't include all of it um, in the scripture here. So Joshua has been battling. He has taken lots of land. Indeed, if you look at Joshua 11.6 through 11.7, it says that Joshua took all the land, the hill country and the Negev, and all the land of Goshen, the lowland in Arabah and the hill country of Israel, all the way up to the valley of Lebanon and Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them and put them to death. See, Joshua and the Israelites were given this command to take the earth. And we're talking tens of thousands of square miles. And they have been battling. Kings, uh, uh, Joshua 12 lists 31 kings, and it's not even an exhaustive list. Think of all the cities and thousands of thousands of square miles. This land that has been taken. Remember, we started at the beginning, crossing Jericho, crossing the River Jordan and looking at Jericho. And time has elapsed, and they have taken these vast swaths of land. Indeed, in Joshua 11, 18, it says Joshua made war a long time with all of those kings. You know, one of the challenges about the Bible is they can, it can compress history. You know, you can think, wow, this was just a blitzkrieg, you know. It was like they just mowed over everybody. It took about two weeks, and everything was great. But no, this was an extended campaign. We don't exactly even know how long it was. But it was a time of concerted obedience and discipline and diligence. Joshua made war a long time with all of those kings. It was a time of resistance. Joshua eleven nineteen says, There was not a city that made peace with the people of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. They took them all in battle. Indeed, Joshua even came and cut off the Anakim from the hill country, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anad, and all the hill country of Judah. There's some poetic justice in that. If you remember when the twelve spies came into the land, Joshua and Caleb, we can take this land. Everyone else, we saw giants in the land. The residents of Anakim, we looked like grasshoppers in their eyes. Well, amidst all of these battles, they go out and they take out all of the kings and they take out these giants in the land. But there's land that is left. Even though they've taken vast quantities of land, there's land that's left. Joshua 13.2. So in 13.1, God says you're old and advanced in years. And there still remains much land to be possessed. 13.2, this is the land that yet remains. All the regions of the Philistines, 
and all those of the Jeshurites, northward to the boundary of Ekron, which is counted as Canaanite. And it goes on and on to the land of Gebelites, to land in Lebanon, toward the sunrise, uh, uh, below Mount Hermon. It's showing that there is this swath of land. And the specific swath of land, if, if you go all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, there's about a 50-mile swath of land all the way down from Egypt all the way up that hasn't even been taken yet. So the Philistines uh, that dwell right there, most of them, they haven't even been battled yet. There's still land to be taken. You know, even more, if you look at the amount of land that God had allotted to the Israelites at the beginning, it actually amounts to about 300,000 square miles. So even though this chunk of land had been taken, there's still this strip of land to be taken. There's an even bigger picture that God has. Thousands of thousands of tens of thousands of miles that haven't even been touched yet. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, was Joshua discouraged? Here he'd been fighting all of his life in Israel. And yet he was old. And it would be easy for him to look and go, my life, my work is not yet done. I still have so much more to do. And what about all of this land right here? I don't believe that Joshua was discouraged. And here is why. There's a big difference, my friends, between an inheritance and a wage. You know the difference between them? A wage is something you earn. And an inheritance is something that is given. See, these people who were the, uh, you know, in this growing rich uh, story, or born rich, they were using their inheritance as a weapon, were using it wrong. An inheritance is something that is to be given, not something that is to be taken. And so Joshua, during all of this time, had an understanding that it was God who would provide the land, not him who would acquire it. And so listen, as God says, after in Joshua 13, 6, I myself, God says, I myself will drive them out before the people of Israel. Joshua, I have been using you, but you well know that it's not because of you that you've been able to drive out all these kings, it's because of me. And even though you are older and frailer and your time is coming for your departure, I still am as strong as ever. I will continue to go before. Joshua understood that he was simply a part of the process of what God was doing. And now God was calling him to allot the land. 13.7, only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance as I have commanded you. It's not interesting. All the land hasn't yet been taken, and yet God is saying allot it. Allot it. Apportion it. Vast majorities of it have been taken. Go ahead and settle the people. And the people, with my blessing and help, will do the rest. See, Joshua was coming into a blessing phase of his life. Joshua was one of the few guys, as he looked around, nobody was left from 40 years before. Everyone else had died. He had seen the promise of God. He'd seen their failure. He'd seen God's faithfulness. He'd seen him work as they'd taken down all of these kings. And now it was left to Joshua to bestow the blessing of the land. He got to see the fruits of his life, of his faithfulness. 
Here's the question, my friends. Did Joshua succeed in his endeavor, even though portions of the land were not taken? The answer is yes. Because success to God is faithfulness. God never said to Joshua that in his lifetime he would take all the land. He simply said that no one would be able to stand up before you all the days of your life. Now be very careful to do everything I have commanded you, Joshua. And Joshua was careful. You see, success to Joshua is faithfulness. We have an inheritance. And the inheritance is not the land. It's not here and now. It's not your life. It's not all the things that you are supposed to accomplish, that your parents told you you were to accomplish, that your peers told you, that the TV networks told you that you were to accomplish. Your inheritance is not stuff. Your inheritance is the Lord. The land has always been a symbol for the blessing of God, the shalom, the peace, the rest of God. Joshua understood that the inheritance wasn't the land. It was the blessing of God, which he had from the beginning. In Hebrews 11.13, what they call the Hall of Faith, they describe Joshua and Noah and Moses and all of these great saints who were involved in God's plan. And it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. See, Joshua got to experience the blessing of the favor of God as he went about being faithful. He got to experience a foretaste of the blessing of handing out these gifts that God had given to His people through him. See, we, my friends, much like Joshua, much like the Israelites, are on an assignment. We have an inheritance kept in heaven for us. It's the blessing of God. But we're on an assignment here. We have responsibilities. We're not simply trust fund babies sitting around and waiting for something that is to happen. As Joshua was called by God to accomplish a task, so have you been called. So what is it that God wants from you? He wants faithfulness. Success is faithfulness. He wants you to put this world and all of the stuff in it in its proper perspective. As to be enjoyed, but not to be possessed. He wants you to be like Joshua, unyielding, steady, accomplishing what God has called you to do. And what you will discover is that throughout your life you will experience foretastes of the blessing of the inheritance of God. That much like Joshua was able to apportion the land. So God wants to apportion the blessings of God through you to your family, to your spiritual family, to the world around you. 
Some of you, this past weekend, no, maybe it was two weekends ago, we got a chance to see my good friend and mentor, Jerry Leachman. Jerry Leachman was the speaker at our men's retreat. And Jerry is my spiritual father in the gospel. He's the one that taught me about Jesus Christ. And I had a chance to learn what it meant to be a Christian because I grew up around Jerry and his wife, Holly. And, uh, you know, I'd hang out over at their house. And they have shaped me. Uh, in, indelibly, they have shaped me. But, you know, the interesting thing about Jerry, if you ask Jerry, what do you, what do, you do, Jerry? He said, I just talk to people. Well, what kind of job is that? Are you a professional visitor? <laughs> oh, he talks to people. He works for this, uh, and it's called a fellowship foundation, whatever that is. But it's people that give money to the ministry. He's never sent out a fundraising letter in his life. I'm telling you, I don't, how they live is bizarre. But it works. I tell you, when you hear the stories of how God has equipped him to be able to do the things he does, he meets with people, unbelievable leaders all around the world, sports leaders, government leaders, political leaders. He tells them about Christ, and he, and he tells it to them straight. And he doesn't fear them. Why? Because he has a certain inheritance. And so he walks along. And uh, in faithfulness, there was a question that one of the people in the uh, at the panel during the time says, "What keeps you up at night?" So not much, not really anything. He's 70, 68, 69. I just pray for folks. I just go and visit with folks. I do my duty. I go home. I go to sleep. I put my head on my pillow. And some of you, as you heard the stories of how he is life, is now. Blessing, You know, he's in that stage as he's a sage in the older part of his life where he's able to dispense wisdom and blessing to people. His life is impossible. It doesn't make sense. The Christian life is impossible. This church is impossible. It shouldn't work, save for the power of God. God has called you to be a Joshua. If you have been given an inheritance, you must embrace it. Because if you receive and embrace your inheritance, your life will become more and more about faithfulness and less and less about success. So where has God put you right now? Your particular situation. I don't know what you do. Maybe you work in an office. Maybe you work for uh, the city. Maybe you're in real estate. I don't know. Wherever you are, the first thing that God says is worship me. The first thing to be faithful, Joshua, the first thing that God calls you to do is to worship me. The second thing is to show the world me. Wherever I've put you, your particular cubicle across from those folks, the place where you go and work out, the people that God has brought you into relationship, worship me, show the world me. Do it in your own unique way. Now, I used to read these stories when I was younger and said, you know what, I really want to be Joshua. Why can't I be Joshua? I am Joshua. It's just in my particular area. You're Joshua. There's no difference between the sacred and secular, my friends. My job is not a higher exalted one. It's simply the one that God's called me to do. And it's no more important than yours in God's scheme of things. Because God is the one who takes the land. So do it in your unique way. Are you an artist? Are you a musician? Are you a lawyer? Are you a butcher or a baker or a candlestick maker? 
Whatever it is, use your gifts and your influence to expand His kingdom. God wants to use you. But along the way, enjoy the blessing. The foretaste that God gives you along the way as you're faithful. And God uses you to pour out His blessing into your family. You may be wondering, I don't know what, what it is that God's calling me to do now. I assure you, you still have a task, regardless of your age. Joshua had a task, a lot of land. Whatever the task is that God's calling you today, do it. Embrace your inheritance. Your life will become more about faithfulness and less about success. Let's move to point number two. God calls you to be content, but guess what? God also calls you to be discontent. God called Joshua to be content, but he called the Israelites who were inheriting their land to be discontent. Remember, Joshua said, don't worry about the rest of the land. Allot the land, and I myself will drive the people out. And so Joshua allots the land here. And we see in Joshua 13, it's a very interesting and disquieting thing. As we're seeing the allotment of the land on the east side of the Jordan, it goes the Mediterranean, Israel, the Jordan, you know, and the rest of the Middle East. So on the east side of the Jordan, that land had already been allotted to uh, uh, the half-tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim and the Reubenites, I think. Uh, the Reubenites and the Gadites. Some land, I'm sorry, the half-tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites, and the Gadites. They'd already received their land, but God said to the men, you've got to go battle. And then you can come back. So this land was apportioned. And in Joshua 13, 8 through 13, we see this breakdown. From the Ararar, from the edge of the Valley of Armon, and so on. This went to Reuben. And from this area with the Gilead and the region of the Jeshurites and Matakites. And all of them, uh, these were given. But listen to this in Joshua 13, 13. Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Jeshurites or the Machathites, but Jeshur and Machath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. Something is wrong here. All the day of Joshua's life, he drove out the people, aside from that issue with the Gibeonites. And yet here, these people receive their inheritance. It's left to them, and they don't do it. Why not? They had no war, they had fought in all the same battles as Joshua had. They had seen all the victories. They saw the hand of God. They had the promise that God would be with them. They had the opportunity. Indeed, they even knew the consequence. Because God said, if you fail to drive out these people, they will become a snare to you. I will not be with you anymore. I will not go before you. And they will drive you out. And they will imprison you. They knew all of these things. Now, if God said he would drive them out, and yet they could not drive them out, what does that mean? Does it mean that God failed? It means that the people didn't want to. They didn't care enough. They weren't faithful to what God had called them to do. See, here's what happened. God said to them, what I'm calling you to do is to settle in the land, and instead they settled for the land. See the difference? God called them to settle in the land, but they settled 
for the land. The goal was never the land. The goal was the rest and the, and, and the blessing of God. Rest from your enemies. Paradise. Blessing. But they looked at the blessing and they looked at the blesser and they said, all we want is the blessing. We're going to go ahead and forget the blesser. You know, God said He would, but they could not. It was a lack of holiness. It was a lack of obedience. The same way, my friends, as Christians, God has called us to go. To go to be content with Him, but to be discontent with the world. Not to put all of our hopes on the world, because He said that He is taking us to a land flowing with milk and honey. My friends, we will not have physical rest in this age. We will not experience the fullness of heaven in this age. Why? Because heaven is not here. And we're not done. And we're not home yet. We are Australian strangers and aliens in this world as well. They're Jeshurites and Mahakites in the land. We are not home. And this is why Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. I have told you these things, so in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what is it we want? To settle in the land, or to settle for the land? You know, there's a lot of people who follow Jesus, not because He's the blesser, but because of the blessing. I love Jesus because He gives me a good marriage. I love Jesus because He makes life safe for me. I love Jesus because I love the friends that He gives me. I love uh, Jesus because He's my fire insurance. He's my protector. But deep inward, they don't love Jesus. They love what Jesus gives. They've settled for the land instead of the land giver. It's easy for us to do that. But my friends, Jesus is not the means to the end. Jesus is the end. He is our home. And so we must not settle for less. We must not settle for contentment in this land. We must not stop being faithful to what God has called us to do. To live in obedience and faithfulness to Him. This is what we are called to do as a people. We're not home yet. We not only have a purpose here in this life to live obediently, but we have a mission. As God called the Israelites in Joshua to go and take the land. By the way, with the inheritance of the inhabitants of Jericho, they had a choice, didn't they? They could leave. There was no one putting a gun to them saying they were to stay, but if they were to stay, they were to be wiped off the face of the earth. Why? Because they were evil. Is that fair? To God it is. Should the Israelites have been wiped out the face of the earth? Yes. Why did God not do it? Because He's merciful. Is it fair? God can do whatever He wants. When you get your planet, you can set it up any way that you want. But you know, in the New Testament, God calls us to go forward. Not with weapons of destruction. Not to bring a message of death, but to bring a message of life. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and preach the good news, baptizing everyone in the name.
name of the Son, the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. See, they're vast quantities of territory to be entered into by the people of God. Not to bring destruction, but to bring hope. To bring the gospel. There are places on the face of the earth that have never heard the gospel. There are people in your neighborhood that have not had the opportunity to hear the gospel from a trusted friend in a way they can understand but the picture that has been fed to them from the beginning is that God hates them and He's out to get them. We are soldiers of love. And so the question is, where do we stop? Well, you've got a good life. You've got a good church. We've got the blessings of God. A good family. Why don't we just stop here? Yes, another 50 miles over there. Said. See, the beauty is inheritance. But I don't know how to share the gospel. God's not going to use me. God used Joshua. Remember, it's an inheritance. It's a gift. We're just messengers. And a great opportunity. This uh, uh, couple weeks ago, my wife and I we were in a restaurant. And our waiter came up to visit with us. And, hey, how's it going? You know, we know this person. You know, but we just know him by face. And he knows us because we go there a lot. He starts sharing, he goes, you know, well, you know, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. You know, but I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this age right now, and I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at my life, and I'm wondering, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? I mean, is there something more that I'm supposed to be doing with my... And he caught himself, and he went, I can't believe I just told you that. <laughs> and we said, no, no, you know, keep, keep, keep talking, you know. He was like a little window that just opened up there for a second. You know, it's like the window in people's souls where they keep up their shields and like his deflector shields just came down for a second. For the rest of the dinner, you could tell he was kind of avoiding us, a little embarrassed. He wasn't our waiter. We had another waiter, but he was working tables all around us. And he just And uh, so needless to say, my wife and I said, you know what, that was a divine moment. We've got to do something. And so I, I, I uh, learned his name from the, our waitress, and I said, you know, I'd love to hear more about your life and your story. Can we, can I take you out to lunch? And so he said, seriously? I said, yeah, let's go to lunch. I want to hear more about your story. So two weeks ago, we met for the first time and we talked about God. And I kind of opened up my soul. And he started opening up his soul. You know, and he... He figured, you know, I told him I was a pastor and so forth, and right away the shields go up. I try to not tell people I'm a pastor as long as possible. Okay? If I'm with you, don't say, oh, hey, this is my good friend, my pastor Carlo. They'll up go the walls. Okay? But in the end, you know, he, he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I had to communicate to him, look, I'm not trying to sell you something or tell you something. I'm just one beggar saying to another, I think I know where the bread is. I'm a messenger of the gospel. Now, what if I hadn't said anything? Leon had a great experience, and I'll, you can ask her about it, in, in the store, like yesterday. Same thing. Shields go down. Are we content? Is this enough, my friends? You know, if God doesn't add another person to this church, fine. But are we content when there are vast reaches of uncharted territory out there? Be discontented with your life. 
So my friends, have you settled in the land? Or have you settled for the land? Look at your life. Am I building my own kingdom? Seeking to insulate my life? To have peace at any costs? And Christianity is my insurance policy. Or is there a holy discontentment? A longing for more? A heavenly vision? An earthly mission? God wants to use you and me and this church. We're not home yet. We experience His inheritance. It's a given for us. God wants our life to be more about faithfulness and less about earthly success. If you aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you'll get neither. This brings me to my last point. We talked about Joshua being content in the life God has given him. We've talked about the Levites, uh, excuse me, about the Israelites being discontent in the land. And finally, we have these Levites. Brings me to my third point, be consecrated. What do I mean by consecrated? You know, the Levites, who were the priests, they were descendants of Aaron. Aaron was from the tribe of Levi. Aaron, when God was called Moses as the, uh, as the prophet, he called Aaron as the priest. And Aaron and the sons of Aaron, who were Levites, okay, the descendants of Levites were to be the priests in the temple... And all the other Levites were to be the people that took care of the temple. And it was a vast exercise, the sacrifices, the purification, all of the elements and so forth. And so when it became time to apportion land out, everybody was apportioned land except for the Levites. To the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance. Numbers 18.20, the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. And so as the land is being apportioned out, there's the message communicating to the Levites, I'm your inheritance. Now did the Levites receive cities to settle in? Yes. Did they belong to them? No. See, they were to be in this world, but not of this world. Because their focus, their inheritance, was of God. You know, I always found it interesting. You know, Aaron, when Moses was up on the mountain, getting, for 40 days, getting the Ten Commandments, what was Aaron doing? He was the guy leading everyone else to make the golden calf. Remember? This is the guy that God made the priest of God, the number one, the big guy, the guy that made the golden calf? Why did he do that? You know, Moses interceded for Aaron, and Aaron was forgiven. And Aaron was faithful because of Moses. But Aaron without Moses is a train wreck. He would have been one of the guys that had never gone anywhere to possess anything else. The Israelites were faithful with Joshua. But without Joshua, Israel was a train wreck. They were faithful with David, but without David, they were a train wreck. See, the entire Old Testament is there to show us that we need a leader. As Moses 
as Aaron needed Moses, as Israel needed Joshua, we need Jesus. But Jesus has called us to be a kingdom of priests, idolaters, makers of golden calves, to intercede for us, to make us something that we were not before. Jesus is the true Joshua, the one who died on a cross, whose joy was to die on a cross, to receive nothing, to have even his clothes taken away, to be uh, killed and laid in a borrowed tomb, that he might gain the inheritance of God. Joshua was to grow old and die, but Jesus was to die on a cross. But to rise, as Joshua was old and could no longer be with the Israelites, Jesus said, I will be with you always, to the very end of the age. As Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And I am with you always to the end of the age. See, it's Jesus who consecrates us to be contented with faithfulness and discontented with worldliness. You're not going to make it living this Christian life. There's one thing I want you to get from this story. It's not, I've got to change my ways. I've got to change my life. I've got to buck up. I've got to stop doing this. I need to start doing that. You know what you need? You need a leader. You need to get closer to Christ. Are you leading a leaderless life? He has consecrated you. He has given you a heavenly inheritance. So settle in the land, but don't settle for it. Follow Him as Israel followed Joshua. Enjoy the land, but don't be consumed by it. Be faithful to the end, as Joshua was faithful to the end, as Jesus is faithful to your end. And leave a godly legacy. Because through Christ, in you, all the nations will be blessed. If you embrace your inheritance, life becomes more about faithfulness and less about success. God will never leave you or forsake you. He's given you a leader. His name is Jesus. He's the true Joshua. He's the Joshua we need. He's the Joshua we'll fall apart without. And so be content with your life because you have Christ. Be discontent with this life because you have Christ. And be consecrated in this life because you have the one who consecrated you, Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And will be with you and me even to the end of our age. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this picture of inheritance, that we have a certain inheritance in you, that it's a blessing that is kept safe in heaven. It's been purchased with blood. It's of infinite value. Lord, help us to be about faithfulness, as Joshua was, as you are, Jesus. Help us to be discontented with this world. Help us to cling to you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And help us to live a consecrated life as the Levites, dedicated to you, possessing nothing, yet enjoying everything. Our hope is in you, Lord. We love you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.